JC Bones. And I am the Smark Slayer, Doc Haas. Hey, and it's me, the third man, Johnny Smarks. And we are the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, and you can catch us every Saturday on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. And if you enjoy the Fourth Wall experience, come join the fam by going to patreon.com slash Fourth Wall WrestleCast, where you can receive early access to our shows for as low as $1 a month. $3 a month gets you more exclusive content for your weekly kayfabe consumption. $5 and $10 gets you all of that and so much more. So come be a part of the biggest draw for the critics. The Marks! A casual. And the hardcore. <laughs> Do I have everybody's attention now? Ladies and gentlemen. Introducing first, from parts unknown, our resident Mark, Johnny Smart. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Next, coming down the aisle, the unstoppable force, the immovable object, Doc Haas. Haas. I can't help that I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long. And here is your host. The baby face of podcasting, JC Bo. You know what? You just made the list. Elizabeth, go right, not going left. Can I ask a question, Macho Man? Question, question. You're listening to the fourth wall wrestlecast. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Wall. What up, fam? Welcome to the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Welcome to the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. I am your host with the most, the babyface of podcasting, J.C. Bones. Be sure to check us out every Saturday on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network and available on all major podcast platforms. We have a very special episode for you all today. I am joined today by not just my good brother... But my oos, introducing Mr. DFDC, Jeff Palmaccio, the host of Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, also found on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Jeff, what's good? How you doing, Oos? What's going on? What is up, man? Thank you so much for joining us today. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to episode 23 of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. If you enjoy the Fourth Wall experience, please be sure to follow us on all social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Fourth Wall Cast. Also, please show your support by buying our merch at represent.com. Go to represent.com and search for Wrestle Addict Radio and pick up your fresh fourth wall swag 
Last but not least, join the fam by going to patreon.com slash fourthwallwrestlecast, where for as low as $1 a month, you can receive early access to our weekly shows. $3 gets you exclusive content, including Sunday Night Aftermath and Kayfabe Classics. $5 and $10 gets you all of that and so much more. So join the fam by going to patreon.com slash fourthwallwrestlecast. I also want to touch on what we spoke about last week. We are still receiving donations for the Ronald McDonald House Charities. Mr. DFDC was there at the WrestleMania tailgate. We that I had was. a huge turnout at the tailgate, and we started to bring in a lot of money, but people still want to donate for the cause. So if you're interested on showing your support, please send us an email at fourthwallcast at gmail.com. That's fourth wall spelt out. So, on today's episode, we're going to take an adventure on the indies, and we're going to talk about AEW's newest signings and Cody's match at Double or Nothing, which has finally been booked. We're going to talk about a couple stars that will no longer be involved in StarCast 2, as well as the social media war between Tama Tonga and our good friend Enzo. We will then talk about the reformation of an indie stable that has made the headlines in NXT UK. And last but not least, even more fallout from the superstar shakeup. So without further ado, Jeff, are you ready for an adventure? Oh, I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting Adventures on the Indies. So, Jeff, uh, I don't know if you've heard, I'm sure everyone has heard at this point, but Cody mm. finally has a match booked for Double or Nothing. And yes. What, were you surprised that it is his brother, Dustin? Um, No, I wasn't surprised. Uh, he's been kind of hinting at, you know, his wanting to departure from WWE for a while. Um, if you look back, he changed his, he like requested that his Twitter name be changed uh, back to Dustin Rhodes mm-hmm. um, and then he made that weird vignette about him like saying goodbye to Goldust when he puts like the mannequin of himself yes in the crate that was uh, quite the dramatic video actually very emotional too for those of us who have watched Goldust throughout his entire career to see to see it was finally coming to an end potentially um, Ironically enough, Goldust was actually one of my childhood favorite superstars because when I was in first grade and I wanted a Kane action figure, they were sold out and they only had the Goldust one. So I was told, well, this is Gold Kane. Gold Kane. <laughs> right. I mean, hey, I was in first grade. I didn't know the difference. Right. But even though I still knew the difference, but for that reason, though, I just found an appreciation for Goldust because it you know, signified that introduction into... You know, that side of wrestling for me. But, um, you know, I think this was bound to happen. I mean, they are brothers and they are both the sons of Dusty Rhodes. So, I mean, it's in their blood, quite literally. So it only makes sense that Dustin would show his support for Cody uh, at, you know, at this next match at Double or Nothing. Yeah, and we've already seen that Dustin is really has been showing his support for Cody ever since All In last year. Uh, even ever since Cody left WWE and started to really make a name for himself on the indies, whether it be New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, uh, 
Dustin's been very, very vocal on his Twitter, really Absolutely. showing support for his brother. And this is honestly a singles match we never got a chance to really see in WWE. No, I mean, they were a tag team. They were a tag team, um, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I might be one of those few people that enjoyed Stardust, but I, I did. Um, but, you know, I think the really interesting thing that we're seeing is, you know, it is that evolution of brother versus brother. And it's, you know... The closest thing I think we could even really have in the WWE product right now would be if, like the Usos turned on each other, but that's really not going to happen. So, um, you know, what this allows us to do is it allows us to see a different form of storytelling under the guise of Cody's in charge now. And it's not so much the fact that Cody has to be in the shadow of Goldust and in the shadow of Dusty in WWE, but it's his company. You know what I mean? Uh, Dustin's his opponent. Mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the other way around. So, And it's interesting to see what kind of dynamic they're going to have in terms of, of like you mentioned, storyline. You know, is it going mm-hmm. to be where the two brothers are feuding or are they just fighting out of mutual respect for each other? Because Dustin has made an innuendo that this is going to be his last ride. So do you think this will be Dustin's final match and is he finally going to hang up the boots after Double or Nothing? I think he will. I think that kind of goes back to that vignette that he made in saying goodbye to the Goldust character. And then we see in the poster coming up for Double or Nothing that Goldust, or Dustin rather, is now donning uh, like a Two-Face style uh, paint rather than his traditional Goldust paint. And, you know, I, I think that shows a definitely shift in the character, but I think it also shows that he's you know, that character is almost withering away. The more the man under the mask is being exposed and it's almost him saying, all right, we know it's coming. It's his last ride. He even said it. So, I mean, you know, the imagery in that is there, especially being that it's in Vegas, it's in Sin City. Right. Uh, you know, obviously there's motorcycle and hot rod references there, Route 66, the whole yada yada. Right. So, I mean, it all kind of coincides at this brother versus brother match and it's really you know, is it, it's almost a way patching the, passing the torch in a way, because it's almost like, you know, I mean, I'm the oldest in my family. I'm, I don't have a younger brother, but I can only imagine that, you know, if you're the older brother, like Dustin, you know, it's like, wow, it's like your, your younger brother is now becoming successful. He's the one that everyone's talking about. They're not talking about the older one who's literally named after Dusty Rhodes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's something too. It's almost like a passing the torch and it's almost like Dustin, like accepting the fact that like, like Cody's like, is actually the, like the stronger legacy now, right. you know, let him, you know, uh, be that legacy almost like he had, uh, with DiBiase Jr. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. So we all remember DiBiase Jr. Unfortunately him too had a, had too short of a, of a run. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you're right though. Goldust, he already he already made a name for himself. He already has a legacy. I mean, how could we forget his famous feud <laughs> with Rowdy Roddy Piper in the Hollywood backlot brawl? That was uh, what an amazing feud, such an enjoyable match. I mean, pe- pe- yeah, people man. people might but shit MGM. on it because they used the OJ Simpson footage, but if you look at nah. the storyline and how that match was put together, I thought that was well done. Uh, so it's going to be unfortunate though to see Goldust leaving WWE, but uh, I think we already saw this is this is uh, he, he's coming to coming. the end of his career. I mean, he's not really didn't even utilize really that much anymore. I think it was last with our truth. Yeah, it was really Golden he, Truth, and then I think he got yeah, injured after and, that for a little bit. So 
yeah, this is definitely the end. A uh, good time for him to end his career, and I think what a great way to go out than helping to put over his younger brother in exactly. a promotion. Exactly. Cold Dust is definitely a future Hall of Famer, and like I said, he's left his legacy in WWE. I, I can definitely see. Uh, him playing a role kind of behind the scenes at AEW in some capacity, um, whether it's, you know, through talent relations or whether just, you know, just some way to help his brother out. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there has to be, you know, you would think that there's like a natural spot uh, for him. Right. Uh, I think Dustin would fit perfectly in a trainer spot because I know uh, right now they have Billy Gunn as one of their head trainers. And there has been talks about them looking for a training facility, and they need, they're going to need people to help run that facility and need more coaches, similar to the Performance Center. So what a good spot for Dustin to be in then to right. go be one of the trainers. I mean, he, he's perfect when it comes to character development. I mean, Definitely. look at what he's done over the years. He was the Gold uh, Goldust, artist formerly known as Goldust, and how many <laughs> different versions of Goldust we've seen over the years. So talk about character development. Yeah. He's definitely the guy that, that, could, uh, that would be great to be a trainer for the younger talent. I think that, you know, he would lend really that kind of that entertainment side of things because and I think it's good because he's a perfect example of when you could take a character that's completely out of the wall and like out of the box and like, what the fuck? But like you make it work. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think similar, you know, questions are coming up currently with Bray Wyatt's new reincarnation, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Dustin was kind of given this thing. OK, you're going to be a living Oscar. But guess what? You're going to be gay, but we're not going to say that. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have, what, Sable was with him at one point. Right. And we're just going to give you the hottest, you know, divas that we have with you just to confuse people. He's like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And then just, just uh, the story of just him, which is like pushing that envelope. And it took him the willingness to really buy into that. All right. If this is going to work, I have to make it work. You know, he lived that gimmick. So that's why I think it's really interesting that he did want his Twitter handle to be changed because that's how he interacts with people. That's how he interacts with fans. So for him to say, all right, you know, don't call me Goldust anymore. You know, it's, he doesn't believe in that character anymore. That character story is over. It's over. So, you know, if he was able to take that journey, you know, those lessons that he learned through the nineties and through being forced to be put in a position, that's maybe not the most comfortable position for performers to be in, you know, it lets them, you know, connect to their work in a different way and gives them strategies when they're faced, you know, with this along their careers. Right. Yeah. Well, Dustin, you know, as we said, he, he's already ta- he took anything that was given to him and ran with it. And he, he's been a star ever since he stepped foot in a WWE ring. But uh, we were talking about, you know, how how he could lend his knowledge and his legacy to some of the younger talent. And speaking of younger talent, there are some new signings at AEW. Um Two new tag teams have joined the tag division. One is called Private Party. That consists mm. of Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. They're well known for their time at On House of Glory. Wrestling has a tomorrow and CZW. So cool. Maryland. Darlings making their, making their way. Uh, Leo onto. Rush, uh, Cedric Alexander, and then uh, obviously uh, Ellsworth mm-hmm. uh, came through. Came through CZW. Them. Yep. Uh, Ricky over at KOTR, also on the Wrestle Act Radio, and I, who both spent some time down in Maryland, saw some shows down there. So right. shout out to that. Right on. Yeah. Another tag team is the Super Smash Brothers, which I've never heard of them, but I had to look them up. 
Is that uh, copyright infringement? <laughs> that, that's what I was saying. That's what I was thinking. But they are well known for their work in Shakara and PWG. Uh, that okay. team consists of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. I saw some pictures of them. It looks like they wear they, they don luchador masks. They look a little bit bigger in size, not so much a typical luchador. So I don't know if that's really their style of wrestling. But right. from what I've heard, they're very great in terms of character development as well mm. and really sticking to their character shtick. Um, whatever that is, I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing them. It seems very entertaining, yeah. though. Mamma Mia. Right? <laughs> uh, next, we have Peter Avalon. Uh, he was well known, uh, for those of you that watched TNA back in the I early days, as Norv Furnham. I really didn't watch too much of the early days of TNA either, but for those of you that watched it, Nor- Norv Furnham was his name in TNA. And last but not least, everyone that I think we all know, Leva Bates. Uh, she's going to be known as the librarian in AEW. She's best known for her time in NXT as Blue Pants. It's cool that we're seeing you know people who are products of the NXT just developmental system be able to get opportunities at outside companies. Um, and you know for those of the listeners who want to hear more about my commentary on NXT, kind of, you know, my perspective on things, our 25th episode, Primary Colors, just came out over on the Russell Addicts radio feed. That again, that's not your mama soap opera. And you can find us at not underscore opera on Twitter. But, you know, I think it'd be really interesting to see where uh, Blue Pants finds herself amongst, you know, the AEW roster. We know that, you know, Britt Baker is also on the AEW roster and Ossie Brandy. So you do have, you know, kind of that WWE influence amongst their female roster. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, even seeing, you know, maybe if other May Young Classic superstars find their way to AEW. But you also have to consider the fact that Cody and Brandy have both said they do not want AEW being this, you know, this... Um, you know, Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory of WWE careers, you know, they want to really build their own talent and have it be an alternate, you know, source for, you know, fans to go and check pro wrestling out. So, right. Well, I think, I think with Leva Bates, I think her indie background is really what makes her, because I know her stint as Blue Pants was a, it was a short stint with NXT Mm -hmm. and it was also an accident. They needed someone to go out with, (laughs) The Vaude villains, and she happened to be wearing blue pants. And as a joke, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna call you Blue Pants," and that stuck. And then she she was so over as that character. Um, I have not had the opportunity to see her on the indies, but she has made her rounds all over the independent scene. And I know she's been in the ring with some of some of the top name female stars. So it's nice to see her finally settling in and 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 being grounded now in one specific. Promotion, so I really hope AEW helps to to push her to a top tier talent. Oh yeah, you know, to see top tier talent. I gave a little shout out there to Willie T, our man on. Yeah, Twitter. yeah, you called him out. Has he responded to this? Uh... He has, and me and him ha- had some words in our chat. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, don't forget, everybody. We were co teammates, Bones and I, at the Rant Gala for Civil War, along with our fearless leader, King Ricky Rose, where we dominated uh, Mance's team. And that's even with my smoky argument. But you can go back to twitch.r/rwa world if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. And you know, Will's to this day still holds that against us that we that we we talked about Snooky, and that's why hey. we won. It's like, hey. hey. 
It was if, a if work. He would have said Snooky, maybe they would have had a chance. But the, the host who pulled a work over his episode, <laughs> listeners, you know, <laughs> the, that whole what month? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this, it was all a work. You know, all the work, 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 oh. work, work, work. No, now that's gonna be stuck in my head. I know, right? I'm uh, gonna have to make that the soundtrack now of this episode. Uh, So anyway, let's move on. So there has been some news about StarCast 2, which as everyone knows, Conrad Thompson, who is the host of Something to Wrestle, uh, is the one who really runs StarCast. And StarCast is not affiliated with All Elite Wrestling. It is not affiliated with Double or Nothing. This is a separate thing. But because it, it made its first appearance... Uh, to coincide with all and everyone assumes that they they are connected in some way right one person that thinks that way is vince mcmahon and you know how vince mcmahon likes to hold on to his talent he likes to hold on to his people two names yeah two names that were listed to appear at starcast 2 were undertaker and kurt angle well According to Conrad, due to the burgeoning war between WWE <laughs> and AEW, mm. the first battle, uh, I'm sorry, with the first battle centered around StarCast, Vince McMahon does not want them to use Kurt Angle or Undertaker at the event. So they have both now been Aye. pulled from StarCast. Conrad did talk to Vince and Triple H and Stephanie about, hey, maybe do one of you guys want to come to StarCast or how about we have Shawn Michaels uh, as a substitute because they've already been promoting Kurt Angle Undertaker and Vince will have nothing to do with it. So I'm sure Conrad's going to find another big name star to fit um, in in these spots. I mean, they already have Bret the Hitman Hart. He already is uh, set to appear at StarCast. They already have other big names set to appear, but Kurt Angle Undertaker will no longer be appearing at StarCast 2. StarCast is just interesting because, um, I mean, why why would Vince want his people there? Right. Well, supposedly Taker was not under contract with WWE as of a few months ago, but yet we saw him on Raw a couple weeks ago because now it looks like he's going to be involved in the Saudi Arabia show, which is happening in June or July, I think. I know know it's happening after Money in the Bank. Uh, So Uh, so that's why Money in the Bank is like a month earlier this year, I guess. Yes, and that's why they're not doing Backlash because they're going to do the Saudi show in place of Backlash. Okay. All right. Well, let's just hope we don't find a bald Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I don't one. think I don't even think he wants to see himself in a ring again after uh his last his last match last year. No, he he was like, "You know, no." Yeah, he he was done. He even said after after the match that they're getting way too old for this. Yeah, what are you going to so. do? But yeah, um moving on. So, what uh, Tom Tonga called Enzo a cancer to the business. And yes. I think that was really cool because I was at the G1 Supercard show where Big Cass and Enzo Amore interfered with the Briscoes and Tom Tonga and uh, that match in general. Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I find it entertaining at the end of the day. It's very entertaining. If you want to see the video message that Tama Tonga sent to Enzo, uh, hit him, uh, find him on Twitter at Tama underscore Tonga. 
he had some choice words to say about what he thinks about Enzo. Uh, he didn't speak about Cass in general, but I'm pretty sure his his comments are to the two of them in general and what they're both trying to accomplish here. Uh, Doc and I spoke about it last week. I did read some reports with Enzo and Cass. They're really trying to make a name for themselves by using the social media platform to help put them over. And they're calling their, their selves Free Agent Z because they're yeah. not looking to be settled into a particular promotion. They just want to make their name known everywhere that everywhere that, that they could they could walk into right. and, and 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 cause a stir like they did at the G1 Supercard. Um yeah. you know the one thing about Enzo and Casto, if we all think back to when they were in NXT and first came up to the main roster, they were fan favorites regardless oh, yeah. of what happened with Enzo and what happened with Cast on why they left the company, they were great entertainers and everyone loved them. So I think if any promotion does get their hands on them, that's actually a pretty good get for any company because they're still going to well, make a pretty good impact on any tag division that they become a part of. The way that you could see their impact directly is just the amount of merchandise that they had generated for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, and why they left the company, I mean, who knows? I just think it's amazing when you see like how far they've fallen, though. You know, at one point, you know, they were almost like kind of the position that the revival was in up until recently. It's like just give them the belts already. And then they, they never won anything, right. you know, and they start off on this journey with Carmella and Carmella's like, you know, the side, you know, announcer girl and like really, really valet if that. Um, but then, you know, fast forward, you know, both of them are out and Carmella's what a SmackDown, former SmackDown Women's Champion. Money in the Bank winner. Um, so, you know, I think what it does is that it shows you that it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, even if you have that draw with the crowd, because if they want to pull you, they'll pull you. And then just because you have almost that like scarlet letter once Vince gives it to you, like whether it's Tomatonga, whether it's the Briscoes, like now they do not like the right. free agents. But um, free I mean, agents. I think. I think they're entertaining. I met Enzo Amore on the streets of Manhattan a few, last summer. Uh, he was shit-faced after the Billy Joel concert, but um, he happily took a picture with me, so that was cool. Nice. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're entertaining. Well, from you there being live at the G1 Supercard, do you think their invasion was a work in some way? I think so. I just don't understand why, like... How they would even get to the point where they did if it wasn't because they jumped the barricade. It's not like they stayed like they jumped the barricade. Mm-hmm. Um, so either MSG security is that bad or, you know, it was a work. That's why I just think it was a work. But, you know, we saw Enzo Amore try to do this before uh, when he snuck into a WWE event and caused a ruckus and ends up getting kicked out. But he didn't. He, it's not, he didn't even make it anywhere to the barricade. The moment he made himself known, he was kicked out. Well, I think also that that's because at, at that time I forget what pay per view that was, but it was Survivor Series, right? I, oh, that's right. It was Survivor Series. Yeah, and I think what happened was his costume or his 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 getup that night was just not good enough, so everyone knew it was him, and he mm-hmm. probably saw that he that he was getting blown up on social media, and he's like, you know what? The statement that he wanted to make maybe later on in the show isn't going to happen because everyone knows that right. he's been had. Everyone knows that it's him. So he's like, all right, well, you know what? He's been me, made. Uh, yeah, I, I got to do something now. 
So that's Enzo and Kaz. We'll see what happens with this. Um, I tend to think, I mean, at the end of the day, it's wrestling, and wrestling's all a fucking work. So I could see this whole Tamatanga Enzo thing being a work just to get Enzo and Cass into ROH to have them face Grills of Destiny for the tag titles down the road. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But again, if you want to check out the video, find Tamatanga on Twitter, Tama underscore Tanga, and check out his video message to Enzo. So, Jeff, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back and hop into some NXT, and we're going to talk about uh, some Raw and SmackDown results, as well as some more fallout from the shakeup. So, fam, we'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for something different in 2019? Are you tired of the norm? Well, head on over to Wrestle Addict Radio on iTunes and catch me, J-Bone, from Smash this podcast bringing you weekly impact wrestling reviews and be sure to check out the rest of the rantwithant.com family there as well do you like wrestling do you like podcasts well have i got some good news for you what's going on everybody it's will tarashuk main host and founder of the kings of the rings podcast and every week, we bring you the banter, the silliness, the good, the bad, and the ugly from professional wrestling. From audio content to video content to our Patreon to our ever-growing community, you can be the brand and join the kingdom. Yes, Slack, even you too. So recently, we have been reintroduced to a reformation of an independent stable from the indies known as Ring Conf. They're not called Ring Conf in WWE, trust me. Uh, The new name of the group is now called Imperium. The group now consists of Marcel Barthel, Fabian Eichner, Alexander Wolfe, who we were all unsure about what was going to happen with him after the Superstar Shake-Up and after the breakup of Sanity, and the current NXT UK champion, Walter. Uh, this stable was on, on the independent scene. It did consist of Wolf, Walter, and Barthel. The only person that is not included is a wrestler by the name of Timothy Thatcher, who I believe is still a name well-known on the indies. So Eichner pretty much took the place of, of Timothy Thatcher. They were well-known on, on WXW, uh, PWG, and also Progress. They have held multiple tag team titles. Uh, and each of them have had their individual single titles as well throughout their career on the independent scene. I think it's great to see another stable forming. I'm a huge fan of stables. For those of you fans who have listened to our show, all I do is fan- fantasize and create new stables within wrestling. Uh, so I think it's great to see some formidable stables, especially this group with these four stars. I actually love the team of Eichner and Barthel. I think the two of them are great together in the ring. I was lucky enough to see them live at an NXT house show with Smarky a few months back in Tom's River. I think this this team right here is great. I don't think Walter needed a stable to to help him at all because I mean he's he's d- strong enough on his own. I mean as we saw with his his fight against Pete Dunne for the title at, at Takeover. But uh, do you have any thoughts on this stable here? I'm very happy that Alexander Wolf is not out of the company, uh, especially due to something like the Superstar Shakeup, um, especially when Sanity wasn't even used. Um, I do find it interesting, though, that 
you know, I hope that he is not a victim of the Luke Harper treatment where he's only finding himself in a faction or in a tag team and can't really, you know, be developed. Um, that being said, I think this is really cool. Um, you know, even just doing a quick like Google search of like their indie like get up. I mean, they look like scared dudes. Yep. Um, do. you know, all their gears are kind of like black and white and, mm-hmm. you know, it. It works, um, you know, especially with the British Strong style and kind of, you know, NXT UK kind of making, you know, a name still and their lasting impact. You know, it's nice to see that they're incorporating and they're staying true to the fact that they're incorporating these indie acts and letting them continue their story under the WWE brand. Right. It's really it's really helping to put them on more of a national platform, really get more eyes on the product as well, and also just on the individual superstars. I just hope NXT UK eventually starts making their way into the States more because, uh, as most of us know, they have had a couple shows here in the States, and the crowd reaction isn't always as big as it is out in the UK because no. the stars aren't that well-known, so we need to start getting some NXT UK yeah, uh, we need to get some, some of the eyes from the states onto this product, and I think having some stables like this will really start making a name for themselves, especially ones that know them from the independent scene. I think it definitely is going to help. I think you know that was one of the problems that I found from attending Takeover New York was that people didn't really know what to expect from the Walter Pete Dunn match. They just knew Pete Dunn's name, and even though it was a hard hitting match, and I'm sure it was conveyed that way on screen but in the audience people who weren't aware of what the of who walter was kind of like huh right you know what what, was the point so i i think that and that i think goes to commentary on british entertainment in general versus american entertainment um it's more dry it's more sarcastic it's you know there's it's a different tone and the tonal is different in the wrestling too but once you understand that bruiserweight aspect it's very captivating wrestling to say the least Right. Yeah, unfortunately, that that did come off that way on TV because I I was home to why watch Takeover on the network, and it did come off that way. People knew who Pete Dunne was at this point because he's already made uh, made appearances on the main roster uh, at the Royal Rumble. He was on, yeah. I believe, it was Raw or SmackDown. He was on 205 Live. He faced Enzo years ago, so people know who Pete Dunne is. But again, Walter, even though he's one of the newer signings to the to the men's division NXT UK, people don't really know how to react no. to him yet. And again, his name is Walter. He isn't really much of a character. There's nothing. There's really not a lot of substance to him. But he doesn't need to have it because he he's a monster. Massive. You have to watch him in the ring to really understand. Oh, all he needs to be called is Walter. That's all you know? he needs. He doesn't need anything else. I mean, you know, let's talk about that match real quick. I know we're a few weeks out of uh, from TakeOver, yeah. but there have been a lot of mixed reactions on that match. I thought that, mm-hmm. see, in my opinion, that was my match of the night, was Walter versus Pete Dunne. Some people thought that match went too long. Um, see, for me, as being there live, the tag match for me was the match of the night mm-hmm. uh, with the now Viking Raiders. Um but, you know, for me, that's really what it was because it was the uh, there's so much hype around. It was just a fun match with, like I said, because the crowd really didn't really know how to react to Walter and the fact that the match did go on long, especially knowing that we had the uh, two out of three falls match, you know, coming up in the main event. I was uh, particularly tired because I had spent the morning waiting in the rain to meet John Cena for fifteen dollars. But I mean. 
who's not going to do that? It's worth dollars. Uh, right. Exactly. Even though I couldn't see him, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, I, that being said, um, the Walter match was cool because I think it was just cool that they, that he won. I think it was cool that it was, I think it was a very historic match to be there for. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, NXT UK champ, uh, belt looks great. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really a good platform, too, for Walter to get the victory over Pete Dunne. A part of me leading up to it didn't think Walter was going to win. I thought Dunne may end up coming out victorious, but I'm glad that Walter did. Not not Nothing against Pete Dunne. I no. just hope that this now opens up more doors for Pete Dunne, and we start seeing Pete Dunne on the main roster soon. That's I I, yeah, I think it's his time. Yeah. Um, I don't think he needs any time in regular NXT. I think you can just, you know bring him up especially as uh you know you you're gonna need people to you know face you know these new rosters you're gonna need new matchups mm-hmm. um one of the takeaways that i saw from raw this past week was that it was the new smackdown people versing the new smackdown people even though they were on Raw now, they were still versing one another. Right. So, you know, I think it's important that you still introduce completely new characters to the mix so you're able to get a more pure, you know, storytelling coming from it. And the, the introduction of NXT, uh, Pete Dunne to the shows would be one way to do so. Right. And I know I know there definitely were a lot of Pete Dunne fans that were upset that Pete Dunne did not end up on the main roster during the Superstar Shakeup. Uh, yes. I know... Uh, a fan of the show, Kate Murphy, the Queen Bee, was vocally upset that Pete Dunne <laughs> was not there. So uh, you know, uh, we're all on the, on the uh, we're all with you there, Kate. That we do hope that we see Pete Dunne on the main roster very soon because he deserves to have that shot. He already he's already made history of having that title for well exactly. over six hundred days. Let him make history elsewhere now. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's a, it wasn't a Brock Lesnar kind of a reign. It was a you know, it was a bruiser weight rain and everything that came along um, with it. So, you know, the time is now, as they say. Right. Uh, you know, I did. I didn't put it on the talking notes, but I don't know why. How I could forget this, but you mentioned the Viking Raiders. Let's talk oh, yes. about the Viking Raiders. So, we had a huge stink last week <laughs> with the Viking experience coming formerly up to the, main the War Raiders, formerly War Machine. Yeah. Doc, Doc and myself, we we had some choice words for for the entire mm-hmm. the, the 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 marketing ideas behind this and like just the 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 business means like I didn't understand what wh- or why they were even called up. They, I don't know. I feel like they have more name changes than P Diddy, but <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like we understand what your shtick is, but like the it's just weird because Phil points it out. On uh, the 420 episode of Rant with Ant, that um, that they just debuted with new T-shirts. Yeah, three days after they were the Viking Experience, the War Raiders had new T-shirts. Yeah, and then fast forward five days after that, now they're called something else. Now they're the Viking Raiders. Now I can deal with the Viking Raiders more than I could deal with the Viking Experience. I, I mean, the thing is like. To me, and I spoke about this on my show that debuted um, Wednesdays after midnight over on the Wrestle Act radio feed. But I spoke about how, you know, the War Raiders, and that was part of the reason why that opening match was the best match, is because they have that interactive chant of being able to go war, war, mm-hmm. war, whatever. You know, and but the thing was, by changing their name and taking war out of it, you can't do that chant. 
Yeah, it's like what, I mean, you what can, can the crowd chant now? Right, Vi- like Viking, Viking, mm-hmm. Viking, Viking. It, it doesn't have the same ring to it. Not really. It's really yeah. less menacing, and that's why you saw comparisons to the Berserker mm-hmm. and you know to the Highlanders because they're you know you're kind of taking away their their moxie, if you will. Right. Now, again, I have no quarrels about them being called up. I think Rowan Hansen, Eric and Ivar, whatever the hell you want to call them, I think they're a great addition to especially the Raw Tag Division. Yes. Uh, one thing I like, though, with the shakeup is that the Raw Tag Division got a complete facelift. Now you have teams like you have the uh, the Viking Raiders, you have the Usos, you have uh, the Revival. Um, I mean, you, we did have Aleister Black and Ricochet, which I thought yes. they were going to keep them as a nope. tag team. And you know what? In in my fantasy booking for the tag division, <laughs> Alistair and Ricochet were a part of the, of the future of the tag division on Raw. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was a, you know, kind of like a what-if storyline when they did become a tag team. And we saw them already compete at the highest level in every brand as a tag team. So... You know, and we understand that they have the star power not to be needed as a tag team. And with WWE's emphasis and really desire to want to keep couples together and Charlotte pretty much saying, no, Andrade staying with me on SmackDown, you know, you saw the opportunity for them to naturally say, "Okay, now we could go back to the story as it was told, because now everyone knows who Ricochet and Aleister Black are, irregardless of them being in a tag team or not. Right. Uh, well, that leads us, you know, now because the shakeup is still going on. It looks like this two-day event became a two-week event. Uh, Maybe three. We did. Who knows? We did get reports though that Alistair Black, Andrade, and Zelina Vega were all moved back to SmackDown Live. Right. So the Ricochet Alistair Black tag team is no more. Which no. at this point, I don't think the Raw tag division needed that tag team anymore because i do believe aop is going to be returning soon because i forget i think it was akum is the one that's out on injury and honestly i i've always liked aop and i'd like to see aop in the ring with the viking raiders that's a match that i think a lot of us at least i know that could be cool that could be a big hitting match um you know for for me um the the strong silent uh superstars never really do anything for me well, I think uh, that was why they gave them Drake Maverick, which I don't think he yeah. was a good choice as their manager. No, especially after he pissed himself. Uh, yeah, that that just that <laughs> ruined any potential that that pairing could have had. So I think Akam getting injured when he did was actually did better for the team. But I I could see them now making their return soon because how long are Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins going to hold on to those titles? I don't. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, like with Hogger, with like Hawkins and Ryder, it's like they're. I just. I don't know. They they have stock in them clearly for letting them win at home, mind you. Mm-hmm. They were they, they were they they were they were home on their home fields, quote unquote. Being that they're both Long Islanders, you know, they were in New York Stadium, and typically they don't let people. You know, that usually doesn't happen. Usually, if you're home, well, you're guaranteed to lose. Yeah, you're losing, right? Right, we saw this with Tony Nese as well, also being a local hero. But you know, um, who knows? I mean, I I don't really care much for them. So I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, all that was was a feel good moment. I mean, that goes back exactly. to what a lot of us were saying. We probably all gave a post show review of WrestleMania, and we all said that was a babyface WrestleMania. 
that was the first feel-good mania that we've seen in a while where everyone oh, yeah. that, that the crowd wanted to win won the matches. And I think that's yeah. why they had it. And I think now with the shakeup um, happening uh, sh- shortly after WrestleMania, now they're just trying to figure out, okay, let's see who we have now on the roster and how do we start moving these titles around again. So uh, I think Hawkins uh, and Ryder might just be a placeholder for the time being. But good for them. I'm glad that Zack Ryder is still around. He has another title. Woo-woo-woo. Woo-woo-woo. He, he's, he's still here, bro. Fun fact about Ryder, um, I was in Disney World last year, and for those of you who don't know, Zack Ryder's a big Disney World mark as well, and he and I both are from Long Island, and so I had his new shirt at the time, and I specifically wore it to Magic Kingdom, and I had um, a picture taken of me doing the Long Island pose in front of the castle, and he Instagrammed my picture on his Instagram. So if you go down his feed... In March of last year, you will see my picture on Zack Ryder's Instagram. So, yeah. Very cool. Did, did, did he tag you in the picture? He did not because he took the picture off of Twitter. So he retweeted gotcha. it and okay. then he did it on his Instagram. Right on. That's very cool, though. So let's go back and let's talk about Aleister Black, Andrade, and Zelina Vega moving back yes. to SmackDown Live. <clears throat> um, I'm actually happy with them going back to SmackDown. Um, if you yeah, it doesn't bother back, me. If you listen back in our archives, uh, Doc and myself did our own fantasy shakeup, and Doc and myself both had Alistair on SmackDown, and I had Ricochet on Raw, so I'm cool with this. Um, and obviously, for obvious reasons, Alistair Black and Zelina Vega are married, so whenever there's a shakeup, they do keep the couples together. Yes. Um, I don't think Andrade was the catalyst <laughs> in this move. Everyone no, knows Charlotte Andrade was. is dating Charlotte, but... They don't look at if, if a couple is dating, they're only dating. They, they're dating today. They could break up next week. If it's a married couple, they want to keep that together. So I don't think it has anything to do with Andrade uh, and Charlotte being together. But I do think Andrade had a role in this move because I think they saw on Raw last week what they had with Andrade taking on Finn Balor. Oh yeah, and that was I think money. this is a great way to get Andrade in that mid card title scene because they just face each other again on SmackDown. Uh, Finn Balor coming out victorious this week, but I could see now this feud continuing and possibly seeing them face each other for the title at Money in the Bank. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they are both uh, Bullet Club alumni, aren't they? Or they're both New Andrade Japan. Andrade is not, but he's New Japan. New Japan. Um, you know yeah. what? That's a good question. If we had Smarky here, he could do our yeah, research I, for us. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. But um, I think, uh, you know, regardless, um, I think, you know, their storytelling was really, you know, seen in the ring. But I personally can't wait. Speaking of fantasy and Aleister Black versus the Demon match, especially given Aleister Black's kind of like cult Van Helsing vibe that he gives off anyway. Right. You know, that's kind of perfect. So that match kind of really sell itself. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, you know, where SmackDown Live, you know, goes, you know, while they're introducing these new characters as a permanent basis, like Finn and Alistair, you see old champions like Ginger Mahal finding their way back on the blue brand, uh, post superstar shakeup. I mean, what, what do, you, do you hinder the gender? Cause I, I personally never hindered the gender. I like gender, but I know I'm a, a minority in that. No, I'm with you. I've. I've been a fan of Jinder ever since his return. I wasn't a fan of his title run, 
<laughs> at all because that it came out of left field and I felt like it went on for too long. Yeah, that I think it did. I mean, for me, gender has always kind of been this. You know, it. I I, I don't know. I, I've always dug it. I don't know. I feel like he's always he did an interview on, I believe it was Edge and Christian's podcast. Mm. Uh, or Jericho's, I'm not sure which one. I'm um, just talking about, you know, his, you know, his how he came up in wrestling and like working with the great Kali and like what it like what it means to being like an Indian superstar. And um, a few of my uh, best friends, best brothers are Indian, so you know, I'm always kind of like pro India in that respect too. But um, you know, it's awesome just to see that aspect of it, and that's why I think. You know, it shows you that if you just take, you know, the three man bands in general and see where they are now, whether it's Drew McIntyre, uh, Heath Slater or Jinder, it's incredible to see how, you know, you can in such a short amount of time, you completely can reinvent your character and go on to be the inaugural SmackDown Live tag champs or, you know, be the Scottish psychopath and be the NXT champ or be WWE champion against all odds. So it's interesting to see if maybe there will be a reunion of some sorts, even if it's teased of the three-man bands in the future. Right. Uh, one thing I do like with Jinder coming back to SmackDown is that he got rid of the whole Shanti gimmick yeah <laughs> uh, he, he came out guns blazing unfortunately I, the match was a squash match for lars sullivan it was supposed to be i do not like him it, he's growing on me it was supposed to be gender versus chad gable but lars sullivan stopped that match before it even started took out chad gable then took out the Singh brothers and gender of course ran but i actually like what they're doing with lars sullivan overall i like that uh, it, all right. First of all, it shows that they have faith in his character. If they're going to allow him to take out stars like the Hardy Boys, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, they're having him come out and taking out legends. I'm interested. I think they're to having see- him do that. No, I was just gonna say that I think they're having him doing that though because of his anxiety, and that's why he's taking so long to debut. Is that you know? So if you know that he has anxiety and is anxious about going out there, you know, what a better way to say, Hey, go out there with Ray Mysterio. He's the best luchador in the world. He'll, he'll make sure you're okay. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. He'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's all right. Um, but I do like what they're doing. I'm interested to see where he ends up and I'm interested to see if he's going to have his first main roster pay-per-view match at main at money in the bank, or if it's going to be pushed off, um, but right now he is just the monster that comes out and just beats up everybody. So I want to see who his first real feud's going to be in, and I want to see what kind of storyline development his character has. I would like to see him slay Braun. Um, I think that's a way that you can get him over instantly, especially because Braun's been depleting right. in his ability and effectiveness of getting over with the crowd, given his was this five consecutive losses to Brock Lesnar? Yep. I think it was. I, I lost uh, count after three and four. Yeah. But I, I'm actually happy that Lars and Braun are on separate rosters for right now because I, I like how – I think a lot of people thought that would have been Lars's first main roster feud, put him and yeah. Braun together. But I feel like that's too easy. Let's see what other kind of character development we could do with Lars elsewhere with other talent before you put the two monsters in the ring. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I think the mon- that's kind of like a King Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And you want to build to that. You want to build to that effectively. You just don't want it to be like, oh, there's a big dude and there's another big dude. Let's see him fight. Right. You know, I think if they do it the right way, it could be a really captivating story. And that's a way that you can kind of rebrand Braun if you want to. This is your opportunity to because he's never faced anything like Lars Sullivan. Right. So. And how, how much you want to bet when they face each other, the ring collapses. Oh yeah, I mean that, the, that's, just, that's what they do. You put two big men in the ring, the ring's gonna. So happened when uh, when Braun faced Big Show, Braun and Big Show, Mark uh, Henry and Big Show, Brock yeah. and Big Show. So it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you know that's the one interesting thing. We'll see what happens with Braun, but um, you know, going back, you know, speaking of Raw and Raw uh, superstars, we've seen Samoa Joe and Cesaro kind of take more of a role on Monday nights um, and kind of show their impact. Um, I caught Cesaro's match on Monday night, and that was definitely a sight to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that Samoa Joe had such a short match at WrestleMania. So hopefully now that uh, he is on Raw and Ray is on – Ray's still on SmackDown, right? No, Ray's on Raw too. Ray's on Raw too. Yep. So, I mean, hopefully though they're actually able to get that full match and at a pay-per-view level just to really be able to showcase it uh, once Ray is uh, all healed up. Yes. Yeah, I, I was um, – Doc and I were saying that last week that at least now that's that Joe and, and Ray are yep. on the same Raw so they can now at least continue that feud for yeah. the U.S. title. Um, the whole thing with Cesaro actually kind of blows my mind. It's funny because, again, on our fantasy shakeups, uh, Doc and myself, we did we broke up the bar. Right. I think the way it happened is kind of interesting because, as of the initial days of the shakeup, they were not broken up. But I think in lieu of Sheamus's injury with the concussion, they decided, you know what, it's time to break up the bar, which is unfortunate because. I started the bar was growing on me as a tag team and I like again, the bar. in my fantasy booking for the tag division the bar was a big part of it as well. So right. I feel like they definitely broke up a lot of tag teams in this shape. Yeah. You know, Ricochet and I don't mind. Black, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, the bar. I don't mind it either because I think the mid-card scene really needs to have more substance to it. And getting someone like Cesaro and Sheamus in the mid-card is only going to do better for the, the, the main event scene down the road. Yeah, I mean, for me, Sheamus kind of has really never really done it. Um, I think it goes back to probably kind of like that first like adult memory of watching WrestleMania for me is him defeating Daniel Bryan in 18 seconds. So kind of since then, and that was kind of like my reintroduction to a WrestleMania. So I was kind of just like, oh, this dude's a dick. Was that um, Sheamus's first title win when he beat I Daniel Bryan? I don't believe so. No, it wasn't. I don't believe it was. But um, – I think it was interesting, though, that because when they were in the bar and, you know, the bar was born out of that seven match series, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were able to really kind of be almost that one of those initial, uh, at least in the modern era of those two unique superstars coming together as one um, for that team. But I will say I did enjoy Sheamus's work with the bar um, just because I think it allowed him to reconnect with the fans and it allowed him to not worry about, you know, being the great white Sheamus. But now, you know, he's with Cesaro, you know, and everyone likes Cesaro. Everyone wants to see the Cesaro, you know, swing and, you know, throw in, you know, the James Bond aspect. You know, it's cool. It's fun. I did find it interesting, though, that uh, Cesaro was still wearing the bar gear on Raw. 
Uh, I think that was a last-minute move when he wasn't prepared. That's all. I think all he has now is, is bar tights. So, again, very happy to see Cesaro back in singles competition, and hopefully this, this means some big things for him, and maybe we'll see him with some gold around his waist. Hopefully. I mean, he had the U.S. title way back, and obviously mm-hmm. he's had the tag team champ. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see him in more of a singles uh, run and really, you know, see if he's able to climb the mountain, so to speak. Right, and hopefully Vince McMahon puts puts a little more trust into Cesaro, and I hope Cesaro yeah. really works on his on his promo skills and really finds a way to connect to the to the fans. And I, I think he I'd will like to see him as a champion, universal champion, will. WWE champion, something. I, I think I think he still has it in him. I mean, him versus Rollins would be an incredible match, uh, hands down. Hands down, uh, I think now with the shakeup, there are a lot of really good matchups that we could ha- we could see oh, Seth yeah. Rollins in, which we'll get into that later as we run down the Money in the Bank card so far. But before we get to that, let's talk about a heel turn that happened this week. Oh yeah, Kevin Owens fight Owens fight is big O. And it's funny because I was talking to Doc about this last week, and he he was I love Kevin Owens. He's so funny. I love the baby face. He's with the new. It's great. It's like yeah, it's funny, but I we all miss fight Owens fight. I want to oh, yeah. see fight Owens fight, and I'm so glad that that he he made this turn when he did. Because I think Kevin Owens is the perfect person for Kofi Kingston to defend his title against in his first title defense. I think it'll be great. Still to my, still to this day, my favorite Kevin Owens match is his debut match versus Cena during that uh, U.S. Open Challenge. But um, you know, Kevin Owens and I met him at Access, so uh, that was incredible uh, having the chance to be able to meet him. But you know, he's one of those people that it amazes you what he's able to do, given his physique and like how he appears. But you know that he's just like almost like this like bulldog, if you will. Like he's just he's ready to go. You know, right. no matter what. Um, and you know, the, the fight Owens fight gimmick, it's, you know, it's an echoing back to those matches, that ladder match with Finn and, you know, when he was, and all his series with, um, whether it's El Generico or Sami Zayn, you know, it really lets him return to that, you know, Mount Rushmore status of, you know, then the independence and now the main roster, especially being that, uh, he was not showcased in WrestleMania. So hopefully he'll have a time to really shine, uh, during this match with Kofi at, money in the bank right yeah uh you know and and there's always a chance that the wwe title won't be defended at money in the bank they could just have a money in the bank match and they could you know they don't have to defend the title at every single pay-per-view no not at all i'm interesting to see see now kevin owens would be my pick if he was in the money in the bank match he'd be my pick to win it kevin owens kevin owens as a money in the bank winner would be perfect I was at Money in the Bank last year in Chicago. It fell right on my birthday. Um, so I was one of those annoying marks in the crowd screaming for Becky Lynch to win. Um, but anyway, um, you know, Stephen Kevin Owens then at that time just got destroyed by Strowman. Vince match. You know, I always wanted to see kind of that redemption story of Kevin Owens, even going back to when he was universal champion and kind of how Goldberg and Brock kind of screwed the pooch mm. on, you know, his reign there, right. being, especially being that there was that initial storytelling with Triple H giving Kevin Owens that belt. You never saw the fruition of Kevin Owens at that main roster level. Um, that being said, though, I really don't like Sami Zayn. <laughs> Really? See, I actually love heel Sami Zayn. I love what he's been doing. Uh, I 
I want to see him get into, again, I want to see a storyline with him instead of him just coming out and bashing the crowd all the time. Right. But him right there, if, if we're talking about bulking up the, the mid-card with guys like Cesaro now, uh, we have Cesaro, Samoa Joe. Let's get Sami Zayn in that picture too. You know, uh, Samoa Joe, he can kind of go either way, baby face or heel, because he has heel tendencies, but he's yeah. very much over with the crowd. Put him in a match against Sami Zayn, or at least have Sami Zayn end up in the Money in the Bank match or something something to that effect. But uh, I'm, I'm actually, I, I also like that Sami and KO are on separate shows. and they're not I think together. that's necessary, yeah, yeah, because I think, you know, we've seen that story. And in that capacity, that's when I like Sami. Mm-hmm. Sami's, you know, kind of that example of, for me at least, when you... See, like, I love, for example, Mustafa uh, or Ali now just right. because of his, like, if you listen to his, you know, his story, it's an incredible story, especially like the plight that he's, you know, been on to achieve where he's gone to today. And Sami Zayn, even if you listen to people speaking about Sami Zayn in the industry, they'll be like, he like he micromanages every single thing. He's very extremely nitpicky and like perfectionist. But that, but for for me, Sami Zayn's always kind of been like. Everyone says you're great, but it's like you haven't done anything. The last like great thing you've done was at NXT. Where but at that's least because like, they're not giving him the time or the platform to do it. Look at the storylines he's been in. It's when, always been with Kevin Owens. It's always been with Kevin Owens. But when he was oh. on the, when he was first in the main roster, he was a babyface. Sammy. He was in nothing. What's he? He was a joke. If anything else, uh, even he when he was on me, SmackDown, he seems to me he's like the scripted version of Sasha Banks. That's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're taking a character, a superstar who believes that they're great and not getting what they deserve and they're going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the scripted incarnation of it. The difference is, is Sami Zayn didn't have all the first that Sasha Banks has. That's sure. different. You know, Sami Zayn doesn't really have anything to show from his time on the main roster. No, Sami Zayn has nothing. I mean, of note. I mean, done, I know he's done nothing since he was the NXT champion. He was also a part of that open challenge with Cena, if I'm not mistaken, for the U.S. title. Right. But and that's when he was injured and then he was out for a while. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then he always seems to be out for a while. And then, um, you know, there I don't know. He's kind of one of those superstars that, unlike Kevin Owens, who literally learned English while watching WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see Sami Zayn saying, let's go see, you know, what Cody has going on over there. As opposed to where Kevin, I don't think Kevin Owens would. Right. Because Kevin Owens has had the Universal Championship. Mm-hmm. It does give him the ability to, uh, similarly to like, like Shinsuke Nakamura, as he said, he's comfortable in the spot that he's in. It lets them just develop that story and really... In, for Kevin Owens, you know he's he's already considered one of the best. So now let's give him more reigns and let's build upon that legacy, especially with this new incarnation of Fight Owens Fight returning to SmackDown. Right. Uh, I think it's too early to say what what's going to yeah. happen with Sammy. Uh, like I said, he's only been back now for two, maybe three weeks. Uh, I like I said, I like what they're doing with him. I like that they're keeping him as yeah. a heel. I just want to see him now get involved in a storyline to help develop his character some more. I think him versus Corbin would be an interesting feud. That would because, that'd be very interesting. I mean, uh, go way Cor- to turn Corbin, Corbin should have been moved to SmackDown. I don't know why Corbin is still on Raw. 
That, they should they should do a complete me. face turn with Corbin. Oh God, he will he will not go over. Hell no. No, the crowd no. fucking <laughs> hates him. Like, but here's here's the thing: people can shit on Corbin, but Corbin is a heel. If you want to talk enjoy, about getting, say, I enjoy booing him. Yeah, I, see, I've always I like Corbin as an in ring worker. You know, I like him. Mm-hmm. I like watching him in the ring. I love his move set. I love the deep six. I love the end of days. I love his move set. On, um, I think he's great on the mic. I he think just he, he just comes great. off as like a douche. Exactly. That's that's his gimmick. I love it. Even I, like his like yeah, I was in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm not. It's like, and I, I love how he kind of does the Shane McMahon thing where he has the ring announcer read off all of his accomplishments. I just needs, love that. Can they just give him like a proper, like proper gear and not the Fridays, yes. like not well, the Fridays outfit? Well, he has the vest with like an emblem on it now, so that's that's his wrestling outfit because now he has a little white circle with a. He went. He in just it. went from having like this, like, like kind of like. Uh, but the this wildling vest with like skulls mm-hmm. on it and like shit like that with like bones and whatever to like a black button up with like black pants and it's just like and you're that, not like you don't even look like even like the real even like any even Voldemort looks cool right you know I mean, you know he just wears a black tarp but he still right. looks cool the the corporate look looked good and made sense for Corbin when he was the constable and the GM. Right. But the now that's that he's long not. gone. Right. It's long that's gone. So now give him, he, he needs to really figure out what he's going to, what his, his uniform is going to be. And I, I think he, I think he should grow his beard out. Yeah, I think so. Yep. I mean, I, I'm all about the, the bald head and the long beard. That's what I'm saying. You should do that, do the, the Triple H, you yes. know, inspired, you know, look, and then, you know, tap into, you know, so I don't know. Maybe they pair him with the new Bray Wyatt. Who knows? Speaking of Bray Wyatt, you know, we've been really talking about this mid card scene, and we have uh, finally been reintroduced to Bray Wyatt, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to enter the Firefly Funhouse. I can't when wait. We, when we come right back. Hey, it's me, Johnny Smarks, and you're listening to the Fourth Wall WrestleCast on Wrestle Addict Radio. Welcome to the Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. Follow um, the buzzards. I don't know what to think about this new Bray Wyatt character, but I, I love like it. it. Oh, I dig it. I, I love it. First of all, let's talk about Bray Wyatt himself. The fucking guy is in great shape. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's one thing. If you're gonna, especially, you know, from his Husky Harris humble beginnings, Oof. you know, um, he is definitely has taken on that Jericho-like ability to continually reinvent himself and continually improve while he does reinvent himself. Um, to now, you know, this is really the best, you know, physical condition I've seen him in. And I mean, don't forget, he's actual brothers with Bo Dallas and their father is IRS. So he is a multi-generational talent too. Right. Let's not forget that. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, about his brother being Bo Dallas because with Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt's new look, 
I see <laughs> Bo Dallas in him now. Now yeah. I see the relation. When he was, now you see, right? when he was uh, the, the cult leader, I didn't, never saw the resemblance, but now I see more of the resemblance. I enjoyed the cult leader. Um, for me, the WrestleMania 30 match with him and John Cena was really the peak for me in terms of him as the cult leader, and in particular, the the promo with the use of Eminem song Legacy um, off of the Marshall Mathers LP2 that really uh, tied home that uh, feud for me. But, um, you know, I think unfortunately he kind of shot himself in the foot with their WrestleMania match with Randy Orton when they used the the magic uh, and also the fabled Sister Abigail match with Finn that never happened. And then, you know, Matt Hardy and him kind of found, you know, their paths. You know, I was thinking maybe that maybe Woken Matt Hardy would be a like a guest host on right. the Firefly Funhouse. Like, oh, this is our friend Matt. Hello, Matt. Well, I think we're, we're, we potentially might see some some other superstars join in in the Firefly Funhouse. There's a lot of talks about. Uh, about this kind of character development and there mm-hmm. is a lot of character development in this new character I there's, want merchandise there's definitely a lot of substance to the to uh, to the new Bray Wyatt yeah I think so, um, even Ram with Ann pointed out with his gloves once at heel once at hurt hurt yes um, you know in it, continuing on that dichotomy um, like it's a very simple thing but like his dreads were Distinctively blonde now, where he never really, he was never really blonde before. Right. Um, so it shows a shift there. He's more tanner. Uh, he's he lost weight. A lot you know, of there's weight. To, yeah, he lost a lot of weight. Um, obviously, he wasn't in bad shape before, but you know, he just he lost a lot of weight now. And I think it's interesting to see also that with Harper asking for his release and Rowan being with Daniel Bryan, you know, obviously it's not going to be Rowan and Harper. So who's it going to be? Well, the the, the story behind this new character goes like this. So yeah, what's the breakdown here? If anyone has, uh, if anyone follows Bray Wyatt's Twitter, everyone knows ever since his days on the main roster as Bray Wyatt, his tweets are always very cryptic. They always thoroughly enjoy him. Oh, me too. There, I think his his tweets are just like his promos. You know, oh yeah, very in depth, very detailed, but. If if they if you saw his tweets earlier in the year, they were all dated, not in a date that would uh, they weren't. Um, I'm sorry, the dates weren't happening chronologically. They were just random dates, or he was counting down days, but the days weren't weren't in order. And it kind of came off as if he was writing in a journal from, let's say, a jail cell or an insane asylum or something like yeah. that. Um, I think we could all kind of get like that schizophrenic feel from his character currently. You know, he's all happy and fun and he he was uh, brutally punished uh, for his sins. So now he's a different person, but he still has the gloves and the chainsaw and he cuts the old Bray Wyatt cardboard figure in half. So he still has like that dark lunatic side of oh, him. Yeah. But... He also kind of introduces some new characters. Uh, well, some of his tweets would talk about a Dr. Mercy PhD. This Dr. Mercy is obviously a fictional character, but whenever you see the vignettes with the dinosaur's uh, skull head popping out, it says Mercy on the cardboard box. 
the doll is quite interesting as well. He introduced the characters uh, in, in his vignettes this week, but it looks like that these two characters might actually come into human form down the road. Now, the, the reports and the talks are that now that Eric Young has made his way to Raw, Eric Young could be one of the characters, and the doll might end up being Nikki Cross, could be the human form of this character. Now, let's talk about Nikki yeah. Cross real, real quick. She is the only female superstar who is not on a brand yet. She has not been part of the shakeup. She hasn't been on TV in weeks since before WrestleMania. So, with her being a part of this Firefly Funhouse, I don't <laughs> see it happening on Raw, though, because if they're going to stick with the married couples being on the same brand, her and Killian Dane are married. Killian Dane yeah. supposedly is on SmackDown. Now, obviously, as we saw this week, they're still shaking things up. Killian oh, yeah. Dane can join, join this group also to keep Killian and, uh, and Nikki Cross together as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really going to be interesting to see what direction Bray decides to go in this. Um, don't forget, we are living in 2019 where Bill Cosby went to jail. You know, Bill Cosby was kind of, you know, that that picturesque, you know, Mr. Rogers, if you will, from the sitcom era in the 80s that wore those sweaters and kind of invited people into his family life and in his home. Now you see that those traditional heroes and those traditional, you know, patriarchs of our society are now – in jail. Right. Uh, you know, that's interesting because they're the crazy ones. They're the ones who are drugging people and, you know, having sex with them, you know, against their wishes. You know, it's Bill Cosby. You know, similarly how, like, people are saying, like, oh, it's like Mr. Rogers. No, but it's actually a lot more psychotic than that mm -hmm. because while it is Mr. Rogers, it's in essence – it's just that. It's creepy. It's inviting you in. It's creating that environment, especially now. You think about the audiences. So uh, the target audience being, what, 35-year-olds still. So I'm t turning 27. So us 90s and 80s kids, you know, grew up watching Blue's Clues and all, you know, this stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It just came naturally that those connections would be made, and that's what we saw. So it'll be interesting to see if those darker tendencies, like using the chainsaw to literally slay him for his formal self in half, uh, continues to you know bubble through as the Firefly Funhouse continues. I hope they literally do a Firefly Funhouse show on the network because I think that'd be hilarious. Yes, uh, I do like how there's still a lot of comparisons to the old Bray Wyatt as well. You mm -hmm. know, with the Firefly Funhouse, the Fireflies exactly. were were his minions or his people. Whenever he came out and the lights went exactly. out, everyone had their cell phone lights on. Those were the Fireflies. Um, I like how he still refers to the buzzards. I, th I believe that's the, uh, the the dinosaur skull. Yeah. It's actually a buzzard skull, so dinosaur, buzzard, same thing. Oh, um, but I do like how, like I said, there's still those comparisons to his old character, so I'm really interested to see how this character development uh, happens over time as well. I think he said, he mentioned in his vignettes this week that I'll see you next week. That yes. does not mean he's going to be on TV. It could just be another video no. vignette. But it's interesting because about a week or so before we started seeing these vignettes, he was on the house show circuit leading up to WrestleMania as his former self. That's why I was – I forget where I heard this. It might have been on Ram with Amp, but there's this idea that – it might have been on Kings of the Ring. I'm not sure. But there's this notion that it's almost like a Faces of Foley 
um, moment where, if you remember that from the Attitude Era, when Foley, Do Love, and Mankind all came out, mm-hmm. and thanks to the power of green screen, we're able to have a conversation with one another. Um, and, you know, and it's a similar thing we saw that even a couple weeks ago with Elias during his performance um, at WrestleMania, right. when the Doctor Thugonomics interrupted him, and they saw him playing the bass, and then playing the drums, and then playing the guitar, and then for you know this illusion to set forth, you know, who knows if we'll see. You know, even Husky Harris make a return back to his Nexus days, kind of him telling that story, going on that journey with the audience of like, this is where I was and now look where I am now, you know, and who knows even what was going to happen, because if he was Bray Wyatt on the house shows, you know, I don't know, that was before WrestleMania. You know, everyone says that WrestleMania is kind of that series finale, if you will, or that season finale for wrestling. So it's all new. Yeah. So if those house shows were all before WrestleMania, I mean, does it really matter? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I feel like the common theme in today's show is that we're talking about character development and we're getting to see a lot of that with a lot of the stars. That's why I always love this time of year. Uh, right after WrestleMania, again. yeah, it's the reset, it's the refresh. Okay, what's something new we can do with these it's, characters that may have gone stale over over time? Well, I think that's the one thing um, that's true about wrestling is because there is no off season, and you know, especially on a time of year like now when it's after WrestleMania, there's no football on for a lot of people. There's no college basketball on for people. Your really options are hockey playoffs, which is more regional. I mean, baseball, which is, you know, dwindling in popularity and basketball playoffs, which I mean, is popular on a global level. But the thing is, and why I've always appreciated wrestling is because it's always there. You can always count on it. It's very dependable in that. And I've enjoyed this time because it challenges the writers to keep the audiences tuned in. Right. You know, that's the thing, especially now when you have streaming services and you have announcements of like Disney Plus coming and, you know, all these other things, you know, down the pipeline. You know, people don't necessarily need to tune into cable TV. But what is it that makes people say, hey, you know what? Three hours on a Monday night, I'm going to watch Raw. You know, it's these ability to be willing to have and showcase characters like the Firefly Funhouse. That's what it is because people are talking about it. There's a reason why Bray Wyatt was the number one trend on Twitter after that debuted. Right. That was worldwide. That wasn't just in you know the tri-state area. That was worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's in- interesting to see too where he ends up because they keep showing his vignettes on both Raw and SmackDown. At this point, with this new reincarnation of Bray Wyatt, it's hard for me to determine where I think he'd be best suited. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to just wait to see uh, what they decide and where he ends up. But yeah, I think once see. again, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's changed up his character a little bit oh, yeah. and. Again, another great addition to the mid-card scene and potentially the main event scene again. Because let's not forget, he was champion at one time. He was. No, I enjoyed his championship reign, actually. I enjoyed what he did with the belt, uh, similarly to what uh, Brian did with the belt. But, you know, it was just his stupid use of magic at Mania. It wasn't even the fact that he lost. It was just like the way that that match just kind of fell apart as though they were like, He's finally going to like tap into that, you know, rumored, you know, Undertaker, you know, strength that he has. And it's like, no, we're just going to put a picture of a millipede on the mat. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah, they, they could have stuck with that because Bray Wyatt was had a way of bringing that wrestle magic 
uh, back into this modern era of of wrestling that we're watching now, and I feel like they they really dropped the ball on that, and it, it became a little too hokey towards the end of it. Yeah, and I feel like him losing to Cena at WrestleMania 30 was the downfall of the Bray Wyatt character. I think uh, it was too. And people don't look at it this way, but okay, yes, he won the title at Elimination Chamber, but who did he win the title from? John Cena. They could have done a lot more with that and really pushed him to the top. Randy Orton should not have been in the title scene at that point, but that's all because he they fucking had Orton win the Rumble that year. If right. someone else would have won the Rumble that should have won it, I think Bray Wyatt's uh, his path could have went differently. So hopefully now, again, with the reset, we could see him back in the title picture and, and done the right way. Yeah, I would hope to see that. I think that this reintroduction of him allows for new stories to be told. And really, you know, as we're seeing The Undertaker play a less and less role in the product, you need those mm-hmm. supernatural characters. You know, obviously we do have it with Finn when he taps into the demon, but that's few and far between matches. You know, you need something more consistent on a weekly basis. And with Bray Wyatt's reintroduction, you get that. So I'm excited to see, you know, his new role uh, depending on you know what brand he you know finds a home in, right? All right, so Jeff, let's let's talk about the Money in the Bank card so yes. far. So right now we already have three championship matches. Let's start with the women because we haven't spoken about Becky Lynch yet in this episode. I don't know what what we were thinking. I mean, Becky Lynch should be all we're talking about right now because she's the number one star in the world. No, Becky. Um, so Becky is going to be pulling double duty, and I think that shows uh, that shows a lot for her character as a champion, and it really puts her on that pedestal as yes, I'm a legit champion, and I'm going to defend both titles twice in one night. I think so, she's losing one of them though. I think she loses to Charlotte and stays on Raw. Yes, well, we'll get to the Charlotte thing, but let's talk about Raw. So she's going to defend her Raw championship against Lacey Evans. I have loved Lacey Evans since she first came to NXT. Yeah, I, I, dig love, her. I Again, I love her character development since she started, and I actually love what she's been doing on the main roster. Yeah. I know some of our friends, like Dusty Dave, hates Lacey Evans. Nah. But... Let's look at her main roster career already. She's been to the main roster. She ha- she was entrant number one in the Royal Rumble. Lasted a long time. Had a very good showing in the Royal Rumble. And she hasn't had a match since then. So her second match now is a Raw champ. I'm sorry. She had a number one contenders match against Natty last week, which was actually a very good match. It was. And now her third match is for the Raw championship against Becky Lynch. Yeah, I think that, you know, Lacey Evans' story being that, you know, she is a veteran, um, you know, and everyone knows WWE's uh, strong relationship with the U.S. military and um, the respect that they pay to um, our service members. So um, I think that's an amazing appeal that she naturally has. Um, You know, she's also a mother. Uh, for those of you who didn't know so she brings also that aspect into it because don't forget you know WWE brings families to shows so if you know if you're bringing your son or your daughter to a show and you're looking for someone to identify with and you're also a mother well guess what or even a father just a parent in general you know we all know that was a shtick with Kofi being how good of a dad he was when he brought his kids into the ring but now you have another opportunity to do that in Lacey Evans when eventually she if she does make that um, 
face turn down the line. Um, you know, the fact that her first real feud is with Becky Lynch, I think, is a testament to say how much confidence they have in her. Because, you know, on the other side of things, you know, it's Charlotte. It's the best of the best. You know, that's the thing, you know, you, and you don't have Rhonda to do that on Raw because she broke her hand. Right. So because she broke her hand, you have that ability to save that rematch of the one-on-one Rhonda and showcase this new talent in Lacey Evans. Right. And, you know, p- people think that the whole Lacey Evans pushes because she fits the mold of what Vince McMahon likes. She's tall, she's beautiful, and she's blonde, and she's athletic. doesn't matter, though, because what and- Vince McMahon likes, a lot of people like. Right. He's, like, he's a billionaire. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, but I don't even think it has to do with that comparison. I think it has to do with the person behind it. I think Lacey Evans is a good choice. I think she's a great worker, and she is an athlete, and she's very, very good in the ring. She's someone who I think deserves this spot. I think so. You know, I've heard comparisons to her to Roman, mm-hmm. and the thing is, like, I, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Roman Mark. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a Roman and Punk Mark, which is, yes, I know that's the odd couple, but, you know, whatever. Um, you know, but it's just, you know, there are comparisons to her just in terms of, like, it's not necessarily her character, but, you know, it's just that she's that, you know, she gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, she she gets, she gets just gets it. Right. Um, so, I you know, I think that's great to see um, that, you know, again, that's an example of an NXT call-up that, as of right now, it's it's on the right track. Yeah, they're doing right by her. I like that we're going to see Becky in a fresh matchup, something new. But we're not going to see her defend the SmackDown Championship against somebody new. We're going to see her face Charlotte Flair yet again. Woo. Before we talk about Charlotte and how I don't think this match needs to be happening again, uh, Bailey came out. And she had a I don't give a fuck attitude, got in and Charlotte's is- face, and they put on another great match. I really felt Bailey was going to go over because I feel like uh, Bailey kind of went that same path when she came over to Raw, except yes. it was someone else in the Charlotte role because I think Charlotte was the champ at that time. And then Bailey went on to defeat Charlotte at the pay per view to, to win the Raw championship. But I think Bailey looked great in this match, and I definitely can. She Bailey's going to be in the main event picture, I'd say, shortly after Money in the Bank, if she doesn't get involved somehow at Money in the Bank. But I mean, I think that that's you know adds insult to injury for Sasha Banks too. You know, and I think it's Bailey's always kind of unfortunately gotten the short end of the stick. You know, when you think about the other four horsewomen, I mean, the other three in terms of being called up before her, yeah. as she was always kind of that, that standard bearer. Um, and her time in NXT is really what her, along with Finn's work, is what got me to be an NXT fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned this again on my 25th episode of Not Your Mama Soap Power that just debuted this morning. Um, but, you know, I think it's really cool because, you know, she just rolled with it. Like, obviously, you don't, you know, if the if the stories are true that they were supposed to, I mean, like, they were supposed to win, and last minute, you know, it was kind of like a, a Meadowlands screwdriver, if you will, for the Iconics. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's true, obviously, they're going to be mad, but at the same time, you're professionals. Like, just roll with it. Yeah. Like, this isn't the time of Hogan and Hall and Nash. Like, it's not like you have to, like go on social media and like cry and be all cryptic when you're on vacation with Kalisto and Punta Cana, like stop. Yeah. Like, 
I don't know. I don't really have much to say about the whole Sasha thing. I mean, if if she's legitimately being a baby about the whole thing, then she doesn't right. need to be here. She can go elsewhere. Right. Right. That, that's what I mean. If you're legitimately being a baby else. about it, you know. Yeah. But who knows? It could all be a work. Um, you know. That being said, with Becky and Charlotte, I think, you know, I, that's why I think Becky's going to lose actually, and I think Becky's going to stay on Raw. And of course, I'm saying this as someone who has Becky Lynch tattooed on their body. Right. So. Um, you know, but I think she needs it um, because she just won both belts at Mania. Right. Needs to be humbled a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Because how long is she going to hold both titles? I mean, right. th- they could she, have her hold, hold on to both titles till Survivor I mean, Series. They could. They, the only way that I see is that they unify them. But I don't think they will just because SmackDown's going to Fox. Right. See, That's I, I think I, I don't. I don't think SmackDown going to Fox has anything to do with them not unifying the titles. I, I think it's a great idea if they unify those titles. Because then when, you get rid should, of the SmackDown title, you, yeah. you make just one championship that crosses brands, and you make that other championship well, you had a mid-card title. Here's what I am intrigued about. Um, I, unfortunately, did not go to Evolution. But at Evolution, they were share, they were uh, selling special edition Evolution belts, which was a women's title, which I think had a teal face, right? Um, as opposed to like the Raw and SmackDown being red and blue, respectively. Um, you know, I think that could be interesting if you went along those lines and had the Evolution belt as a mid card belt, and maybe almost introduce like a purple belt. Um, well, they, already, like, they already have that for 205 Live. Right, purple, right. So. Yeah, but if they make like a women's equivalent. Or, I mean, I think, you know, you can even have a women's mid-card on 205 Live, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about it, the amount of women's talent that are just not being used. Um, like Dana Brooke. Right. Or, well, you you want to hear, wanna hear my take on that? Yeah. 205 Live is going away soon. That that's my take. Oh, I, I feel like sort of went away a long time ago. Yeah, I feel like they're poaching from the two hundred five live roster too much. I mean, you have Ali, Leo Rush, Lucha House Party, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, all on the main roster. Noam Dar and Gentleman Jack Gallagher are now on NXT UK. They just sent Oni Lorcan and Umberto Carrillo to two hundred five live. Yeah, it's dwindling. They have like what ten or eleven superstars on a roster. You can't have um, a show or a brand with that little of a roster. Get rid of two hundred five live. Have one cruiserweight title, cross brands, and then introduce a women's show, and you can call that show Evolution. That way, it gives the women a chance to really showcase their storylines, but have them still continue their storylines on both Raw and SmackDown. Right. I think that would be a way that you can successfully do that. I mean, the thing that if you give it, but the problem is I don't think they will ever justify doing a women's only show. No, because like you can't like, because then you're going to have people say, well, now you have a men's only show. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. So, I mean, I think it's difficult to do that because of just the potential backlash that you'll face given um, you know, just given, you know, kind of the idea of gender being the, the reason why you have two separate shows. See, that that's what sucks about the world we live in today is everyone always has to be too politically correct. I think exactly. we have to look at it from the sports entertainment side. I'm oh, not yeah. talking about 
have it be an all-women show for girl power. No, have it be an all-women show because it's the women's division within, you know, I mean, the 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 talent roster primarily is men. Obviously, right. the men's roster is bigger than the female roster. So give the women their own brand to showcase the women's division, not because give the women their own show for girl power. No, it's because we need to let our women's division sh- be showcased more. That's the way I look oh, at absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that a way that you can do that is do something on the network. Um, exactly. I think that you know, if you do something on the network, not even necessarily its own show, but like its own segment. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just something like its own, like you know, its own, almost like a, like a total Bella's total diva style thing that isn't that an reality. e show. Right. Yeah, that isn't an e show. That's a wrestling show. Right. You know, you could do something along those lines and. Uh, you know, make something that's unique too. I mean, because even when you think about it, I think the best parts of like Total Bellas is when you saw like Daniel Bryan and John Cena out of character on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can still have um, male characters. You know, think about it. Even if you did, even if you showcased NXT women superstars, you know, if you had Chelsea Green on it, Zack Ryder will inevitably be on the show. Right. They're engaged. You know what I mean? Um, and even. If, uh, you know, if Britt Baker was still at the company, they're Adam Cole's dating her, you know, so there are ways that you can keep, you know, it not be a show that you can make a show that is about women that isn't that, that but that's not the reason for, you know what I mean? Right. So you, I, I think there is a way that you can successfully achieve showcasing a women's only talent show while still being politically correct. Right. So I, I, totally I think it's just about them figuring it out. I, right. I think, I mean, I think they will. Though. I think in general, though, the their ability to showcase women has been fantastic, and I think it continues to be the part of the show that I'm most interested in. So, right. No, I, and I think you're not alone on that one. I mean, besides myself, there's plenty of people out there that are really into the women's division, the women's evolution of women's wrestling over the past few years is really the most entertaining part of wrestling right now. So, uh, as you mentioned, you know, they have to figure it out. One thing they're figuring out right now is the main event scene on Monday Night Raw. And yes. as of right now, this past Monday, they had two sets of triple threat matches to determine the number one contender for the Universal Championship to face Seth at Money in the Bank. So the first triple threat match was AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Going back to what you said earlier... SmackDown stars facing SmackDown stars. Mm-hmm. And then we had Baron Corbin taking on The Miz, taking on Drew McIntyre. I feel like they could have scrambled these two, uh, these yeah. two matches up a little bit more. They should um, have. I was very shocked at the choice to have Baron Corbin win <laughs> his match. I really wanted to see AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre. I don't know why oh. Drew McIntyre is not in that title picture. Um, I think they're saving him. I feel like they should have saved AJ Styles. I think AJ Um, versus Seth is more of a SummerSlam match than a Money in the Bank match. The reason I think that they didn't is because Drew McIntyre is a different... He's at a different stage in his career than AJ Styles is. 
you know, keep in mind AJ Styles is coming off of that monstrous long WWE title reign. Right. right? Um, I can say almost with certainty, Seth Rollins will retain on, uh, at money in the bank. Yeah, I, uh, I think so. Hands down. But I think that Drew McIntyre has not had a universal championship opportunity yet. And I think that he, it, like Seth Rollins, he is an NXT champ. And I think that um, why I loved his match with Roman was that Drew McIntyre was at one point known as the chosen one. And uh, Reigns is now considered the chosen one. So it was interesting to see those two you know, chosen ones come at it. Um, that being said, though, with Rollins, I think that should Drew face Rollins at a SummerSlam, you know, he might take it off him. Um, you know, so that's why I think that they're saving him because I think that when Drew is in that position, whether it's versus Seth Rollins or someone else, Drew will win. No, yeah, that, that there's no question. Drew's going to be universal champion, I think, before 2019 is over. Um, I am happy we get to see Seth take on AJ. It's going to be a yes. great match. I hope the match meets our expectations, and it was. it's not like another AJ Nakamura I mean, feud but- where... It kind of did, but didn't. Isn't wasn't there though a match between AJ and uh, uh, AJ and Seth on the Indies? Actually, Seth Rollins' very first match on the Indies was against AJ Styles, a very young AJ Styles. But I don't know yeah, if they're going so. to bring that up in terms of their storyline. How hey, they haven't faced each other in how long? They that never faced cool. each other in WWE. No, yeah, the MVs are in WWE, so I think, like, it'll be cool to see um, where they go. Um, I don't know. I personally like heel Rollins a lot better, um, I and I like face styles. Uh, see, I, I actually like heel styles better. I liked it better when he was with the club and they were beating like the up club. John Cena. That I yeah. liked. That I liked, and I enjoyed. I enjoyed his matches with John Cena, but I enjoyed how, at least in the second John Cena match, they almost kind of did a double turn, mm-hmm. at least for the match's sake. Being that because John Cena was never there, and right. that was like Styles' whole shtick. And I really enjoyed his the build up and feud with Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe as that heel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's why I think it's really important that this story is told right. Like you said, and we don't have another AJ Styles Nakamura situation on our hands where we have this, you know, this indie dream match that is finally being told in a WWE ring of all places and should be told properly. You know, at the end of the day, yes, this is a Seth Rollins, AJ Styles match, but it is also a Tyler Black, Seth, I mean, Tyler Black and AJ Styles match that can't be forgotten. Right. Exactly. So again, I think this match, potentially could be the match of the night at Money in the Bank, depending on how the rest of the card pans out. But another match that was booked as of last night, um, well, last night, fam, we're recording this on Wednesday. You're listening to this on Saturday, so pl- please forgive us when we when we talk about our days yesterday, today. <laughs> it's all, all ir- irrelevant at this point. But on SmackDown oh, yeah. this week, uh, I, I one thing I want to talk about Elias real quick. Yes, I think the McMahons think very highly of Elias because they They don't just put anybody in a storyline with the McMahons. No, now now that Elias is 
he was announced by Vince McMahon last week. Now <laughs> he's kind of working side by side with Shane this week. I think they see big things for Elias, and I am so fucking happy he finally is on the blue brand and has a chance to yes. really shine and show off what he can do. I think it's great also how they introduced him um, and being that you know he is with Roman. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see where they go. Um, I think everybody was kind of shocked when Roman uh, decided to uh, smack up Vince around uh, when he came on to SmackDown, just kind of because Roman is seen kind of as like that chosen one, you know, whatever. Um, But I think it's interesting to see when you consider the fact that Elias is, you know, he's kind of always had that legends spot recently, you know, whether, you know, people always kind of interrupt him, and that's kind of his shtick, and we haven't really seen him wrestle. Right. Um, he's kind of showcased for his music ability, which is fine. That's been done before, whether it's Jeff Jarrett, whether it's Honky Tonk Man. You know, it's, it's nothing new. Um, but I think the interesting thing now that we're seeing, this is completely new. And the craziest thing is, is they were both on Raw, and they never interacted with each other, which is right. different. Because as we were saying before, on Raw, we saw a lot of SmackDown matchups happening. But we've seen those before. That's right. why it was nothing new. Even going to Naomi's match, it was seen before. Mm-hmm. Whereas the this matchup is completely different. Never mind the fact that Vince McMahon was involved. That takes it to a whole different level. Right. Yeah, so. agreed. Well, Elias put out the challenge to Roman Reigns, and Roman accepted. Um, do you see Elias winning this match? Um... I can see him. I can see Roman winning because Elias D got himself DQ'd. Um, I could see a guitar being broken over Roman's head or something along those lines. I saw a article. I believe it was on Twitter saying that if Elias wins money in the bank, he should make the briefcase a guitar, guitar case. case. Yes, yeah. I saw that too. That'd, that'd be I hysterical. Enjoyed it. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always enjoy when superstars kind of customize their. Mm-hmm. Briefcase. Yeah, but unfortunately, we're, we're not going to see Elias in the Money in the Bank match. No. But we are going to find out on Monday during a Moment of Bliss segment which Raw superstars are going to be involved in the Money in the Bank. And I believe that's both men and women. I heard a rumor that they're having two. I heard they're having two Money in the Bank matches. One men's, one women. I think, I don't know how many people. It could be six, could be eight. Let's, for argument's sake, say eight. They'll take yeah. four stars from Raw, four from SmackDown, and they face each other. And the winner wins yeah. the briefcase. And it would be cool if they could do similar to the Royal Rumble where they can take the, the contract to either yeah. brand. I think that would be awesome. Um, really giving the ability to let them you know, choose their own fate, write your own story, if you will. Um, and it would be interesting to see who from each brand, respectively, joins the Money in the Bank matches um, coming up in May. So that would be cool. I think we already got an idea on who we're going to see, especially with these triple threat matches. We saw The Miz, Mysterio, Samoa Joe, Baron Corbin. There's your four guys right there that you could throw into the mix. Uh, I'm sorry, McIntyre, not Samoa Joe, because Joe, I think, is going to defend the U.S. title. Mysterio, Corbin, Miz, and McIntyre would be four four very good superstars from Raw to be involved in the match, if that's the case. Yeah, I I will say, um, you know, Corbin, unfortunately, falls into the category of superstars who've won money in the bank and have not succeeded in cashing it in. Um, I 
don't think he deserves to win another shot at it. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, considering who, you know, is champ. I think, you know, it was interesting because when Brock was champ, everybody knew what was going to happen if they won money in the bank. The idea, no matter, even with Strowman, was, all right, beat Brock. Right. Like, you weren't able to beat Brock without the contract. I mean, without the money in the bank. Like, now you have it beat Brock. And the thing was, he wasn't able to do it. So now it's like, finally, Brock's out of the way. So it's like, all right, well, what's going to happen? So that'd be interesting to see. I actually can see Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin getting into a few, considering Corbin stole the win from McIntyre this week. Yeah. Which may, I mean, maybe that could be somewhat of a face turn for Drew, but I don't really think so. I think they, they should keep Drew as a heel. I like the way that his character it, ha, has been running things lately, and I hope they keep it like that. Yeah, I agree. I think by you know maintaining Drew from his heel status, at least as of now, it allows him to really, you know, build some heat before you turn him, um, which is what you want. Um, you know, he, him losing at WrestleMania to Roman, um, we knew it was going to happen, but it kind of dampered his heelness. You know, he kind of, you know, he lost. So you want to build that back up, especially before you're going to try for a face turn. Um, so, you know, a good way to do that is against Corbin, just because Corbin is so hated. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we will see. All right, fam. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Doc and Smarky do apologize for not being here this week, but the real world happens. Life happens. Opportunities have arose, and uh, we just couldn't pass them up. So they will be back very, very soon. They do send all their best and all their love to the fam. So if this is your first time tuning in, I am JC Bones, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JC Bones. That's Bones with a Z. Jeff, Mr. DFDC, thank you so much for joining us today on episode 23 of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Please tell everyone where they could find you and where they could hear your show. Absolutely, Oos. I am Jeff DFDC Pamatrio, and I'm the host of Not Your Mama Soap Opera, where we showcase the entertainment side of professional wrestling. Along with the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, you can find my show on the Russell Addicts Radio, where it debuts every Wednesday after midnight. Our show can be found at not underscore opera on Twitter. I could be found at 52 points of art on Twitter and the Russell Addict Radio can be found at A-D-D-I-C-T-W-R-E-S-T-L-E on Twitter. Thank you again, Ooses, and we look forward to yeah, having you over on our show as well. Awesome. Yes. And once again, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. It has been this has been fun and you're always been welcome back here anytime. So, fam, if you have enjoyed the Fourth Wall experience, please show your support by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fourth Wallcast. And please don't forget to join the fam by going to patreon.com slash Fourth Wall Wrestlecast. 
please be sure to recommend to all your friends to like, share, subscribe, and join our Patreon and help this thing grow and grow and continue to be the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Once again, we are the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Goodbye and good night. Running through the school hall just before a basketball pack rally jumped on. My house, my home, my hood. My brother, my sister, my cousin. My nigga that was definitely getting been with me before he even knew what being with me was. Y'all niggas just glance at it. Never got y'all staring at it. But it's been the same old North Carolina's been been. Y'all niggas just get next. Oh, oh, you thought we said we were coming with a whole lot of song. We were bush.